Yeah, try to see if I have any other interest in uh, points here. While you're looking at that, so yesterday's game, scouts in attendance, Devils, Calgary, St. Louis, the Kings, Winnipeg, Vegas, Ottawa, Pittsburgh, and Arizona. Why is Arizona at a Flyers game scouting? Or do you think they're scouting uh, our opponent for the evening and maybe seeing what they can get? What do you I think that's about? Because everyone on Twitter is like, oh, it's a salary dump, JVR. No, I don't see that happening. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give them anything else. Like, we already did our business with them, and, and that's it. Unless it's a hockey trade and they want Konechny or somebody like that. It's probably just in the building for the sake of being in the building. You know, yeah. Know. I think people are reading too much into too much of this stuff. Yeah, making the rounds. I mean, don't these scouts make rounds? Like yeah. they don't. Yeah. Like their presence isn't necessarily meaning that they're, they're there for. A they're eyeballing reason. one player. Yeah. We're just in the building that night. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. God, fucking. People are still all over Morgan Frost. He said Frost has more natural skill than Joel Farabee, but Farabee had the tools to convert it to NHL. And it's like, what a fucking way to spin that. I'm smarter than Albert Einstein. I just didn't apply myself in high school. (laughs) What the fuck? God, the fact that people still think this guy's going to be something is just insane to me. I'm, I'm at the point where you... I mean, listen, I was at the point earlier, but... I don't see it happening here. No, there's I no just way. don't. There's no I way. just don't see it happening here. And I know, and I know, I get the the, I get the argument. Development is not linear. That's true. It's not. Yeah. But how many players can you name that have become first or you know line talents or significant impact players in this league that have been drafted and then they're on their plus four, exactly. plus five year. How many? Exactly. That's the thing that gets me. Well, we just got to give more time. And I'm like, superstars don't take five or six years no. to fucking develop. If you're a star, you're a star. You know, Frost can barely keep his head above water in the fucking AHL. What the hell makes anybody think that he's capable? And well, somebody, somebody responded to me the other day goes, well, you just got to put him with a sniper. And I'm like, okay, great. You put him with fucking Alex Ovechkin and you can probably drag some points out of the guy. But, like, fuck, he's just not in the right scenario. If you put him with Atkinson and Giroux, fine. He can hang. He can, he's a playmaker. He can hang. But, fuck, if you're not putting him with the absolute best players on your team, the guy is fucking worthless worthless hockey player. I, I fucking can't believe. Oh, God. Hey, hey, and I was wrong. I was wrong about the guy too. I thought he was going to be a second line player, a two C and cool. fuck man. I guess Scott, it was like, the second I saw him in Lehigh Valley. That 19 season took all the wind out of the sails. When that guy failed as mad, as badly as he did to perfect, uh, to, to perform at the professional level. That was it. I was like, fuck it. It's over. And he's, I mean, he's better than he was then, but, I mean, he's just a third-liner at best. Just another fucking third-liner, 50-point ceiling kind of guy, and that's everybody on the current Flyers right now. Mm-hmm. I just, I cannot take it, man. Well, I think the thing that uh mentioned this in his tweet, too, is that ability to basically leverage those skills into the NHL. And I think that's, you know, I mean, that's the critical thing here is that we talked about this like during the off season was 
his lack of ability to fully physically engage at the NHL level, I don't see him able to do that. He is a guy that when he has time and space, yes, he has a lot of skill. He can do things on the ice. But this game at this level doesn't allow him to do that. And you need to kind of change the way you do it. And he's not able to get into the corners. He's not able to compete with, you know, with other guys that are in this league. And he's, He's leaning towards like that kind of tweener guy that he's not he's too skilled to be a third and fourth liner because he doesn't do the physical stuff, but not skilled enough to be in a top two position. He's not like a like a Trevor Zegras or something like that. His skills aren't that high that he's able to do that in this league. So he's caught in that in that in that mushy tweener part where he's going to be, you know, the best player on the Phantoms for his career and maybe get a couple call-ups here and there for the NHL. But he's not, he's, he can't find that role. And now granted the Flyers are really not a very good roster for young players to find roles in these days for a variety of reasons, but it's just not working right now. I mean, he's had, he's had opportunities and he's not capitalizing on them. So I don't know, to me, I think that, you know, he may be a guy that's part of a package during an offseason trade, but again, his value seems to be slipping the more games oh, they that he killed, plays. They killed any value he had left mm-hmm. with the way they've handled him this year. I, 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 God, Anthony and I used to take nuclear heat back in the day when we questioned this guy yeah. in 1920. Fuck, people were so angry at us. But fuck, I was right all along. So I watched him with my own two fucking eyes in Lehigh Valley. That's the whole fucking reason this team is as shitty as they are in the first place is because you spend years blowing smoke up the asses of people that aren't very fucking good. You know, Morgan Frost is the savior. Travis Konechny is the savior. Travis Sanheim's the savior. And they all fucking fail. Every last one of them. God. They're certainly not hitting their ceilings. They're they're really, really limited. Um, you know, and you could also say, oh, well, their ceilings aren't that high. No, I... I think that some of these guys, you know, you could get more out of them. I think most of them you could. I just don't think that they're capable of doing it here um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and Morgan Frost is no different. And I'm I, and like, Jesus, if if Frost really is not able to hit in a productive role, that is so bad on Ron Hextall for missing on literally four first round centers. That is so bad. Unbelievably bad. You cannot, you cannot recover from that. Still got Jay O'Brien though. He's coming. He's oh, developing. He's taking his time. He's showing up one day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll be waiting. Yeah, another six, seven years. Yeah. Did you see that the Flyers are zero for sixteen on shootout attempts this season? Yeah. What? Nobody's <laughs> even scored in any of the shootouts. That is unbelievable. We have ranted about that numerous times over the years. And it again, it's something that cannot be overstated how absurd it is that they cannot even remotely execute to a below average degree. They are at a failure, a failing grade completely on shootouts. So it's just it is inexcusable that they are that bad. Totally inexcusable. And you know, they just seem to just roll on and nobody in the organization really cares. I don't know what the answer is now. They obviously don't value it. No. They don't care if they're any good at shootouts no. or not. So they get there they're and they just give washing up. their hands. You just have Katuri who mm-hmm. just lights a boop, <laughs> the most limp dick fucking shot you've ever seen, you know, mm-hmm. right at the goalie's pads. and It's nothing. And they've all been doing that lately. That was the thing at the beginning of the year, yeah. those first few shootouts was like the most pathetic. They're not even trying. Yeah, I, I don't know how they can emphasize that in the organization. I, I mean, that's got to come from, I don't know, the coaches at some point. I mean, I, I would have thought. A lot of it just comes from, you know, talent on the roster, too. Talent, yeah. Because yeah. you don't yeah. have any actual fucking talent on this roster. I mean, like, if you go up and have this kind of shootout attempts, you got to have players on that team. They're going to get in a guy's face and be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you know? I'd be like, seriously, Scott, like, what the fuck was that? You know, yeah. something like they have to have that. It's they, it, I mean, it goes back to that locker room mentality. They're all just good friends. Oh, yeah, and, they're hey, all buddies. You know, it's just great. You know, Everything's fine. We're working together. Tried. That was like when they ended their last losing streak at 13 games and Lawton was like, yeah, you know, the leadership in the room really got us through this. <laughs> I'm that. like, yeah. just <laughs> fuck off. Like, God 
damn it, man. Oh, they're just a bunch of friends that get paid millions of dollars, have a good time twice a week, go play hockey for funsies. They treat it like it's a fucking beer league. What a fucking mockery the fucking Flyers are. Can you imagine? If I told you 20 years ago that this is what the Flyers would look like, would you believe me? No, I wouldn't. Never. Never. I would have never That this is what they devolved into is the fucking laughing stock of the league. Bunch of pathetic motherfuckers that don't give a shit about hockey. God. All I ask for them to do in a shootout is just go up with, have have a series of moves planned out that you can at least attempt to execute. Don't go up with no plan. And I see them do that time and time again. They don't know what they're doing. They just skate up and, oh, I don't, I don't see an opening. I'll just shoot it in the goalie's pad and just walk away. It's just nothing. It's just complete nothingness. No, they just walk in there and try the f- uh-huh. forehand to backhand, and then it inevitably gets blocked. Or if you're Katuri, you just, you know, boop, right in there yeah. and it fucking gets stopped. Just unbelievable. <sighs> when the hell was the last time I even tried a good move going into a shootout? It's all the same shit. I don't know. Every now and then, Giroux has a decent move. Um, but, uh, you know, he's not every time. And, like, I don't fully – he's typically not – the main culprit on this, but he's only one guy, you know, most of the, most of the other team or most of the team does not no. make an effort. Cause they've got no, nobody can score. They can mm-hmm. barely find guys that can score at fucking even strength. At all on I feel shootout. like they're, I feel like they're like, Oh, I'm too tired. Like, Oh, we got this far and it's just a skills competition. <laughs> we, and we don't have we any already got a point. We don't need another one. We'll be yeah. fine. God, man. Here's a quick question for you guys. Can other than Claude Giroux, because I think he can, can any Flyers player do the Michigan? No, oh. absolutely not. Are you fucking kidding no. me? No. <laughs> like in a game. Like if, no if one of the Flyers did something like that, that would be like, oh, Flyers Twitter would explode. Sign him to a lifetime contract. No, nobody would even come close. Nobody could probably do it in practice, let alone a real fucking game. I got something for you guys. Um, so as much and like, look, I, I, I think Sean Couturier is one of the nicest players I've ever met. He is a super nice guy. He's very good with fans. Um, there was a point, the last Flyers game I was at where I was watching warmups and then Couturier was standing by the glass and um, I kind of felt like embarrassed for him. He was trying to get a puck to s- steady on his stick blade to toss over the glass to fans and he couldn't do it (laughs) like for minutes at a time i'm watching him he couldn't get the puck to steady on (laughs) on the plate (laughs) like i'm not making this up and like i actually thought about bringing this up on different shows i was like i don't you know i I like terrier and maybe i'll wait for the right time but like it was bad and he oh just had to pick it up. God, that's so on brand. <laughs> like Fantastic. he's sitting there just fucking with it for minutes. Like oh, I just can't get it, can't get it, can't get it. He just couldn't do it. It's like <laughs> they are so fucked with that Couturier <laughs> contract. So unbelievably fucked signing him to an eight by eight deal, and now the fucker's in back surgery. <laughs> God, <laughs> man, it's just what are the chances? Is there any chance that him or Hayes retires due to? You know, the Flyers can still pay him. If Hayes guess, fucking but... keeps coming back, he's going to force himself mm-hmm. into early retirement at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we need is his like guts one are going to those... fall out of his fucking abdomen like... for the 15th time. They're like, you know what, Hayes, maybe you should stop trying to come back. Who was it from the Blackhawks who was like allergic to like knee pads or something that um, <laughs> it was a skin condition? Oh, Marion uh, Hosa. Yeah. Hosa, yeah. So they got to they got relief from his contract because he he randomly developed an allergy to, to hockey pads later in life. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what we need on the Flyers for Goose and Hayes. <laughs> Have you ever tried Ben Gay? For that, for that, for that rash. Yeah, you know that's Icy probably was it. Or what are the other ones? Uh, it was probably one of those things. Some baby powder or something. Going to CBS to get Ben Gay, but it's like, oh, it's a medical mystery. I got to retire. Yeah. You 
that would be awesome that. if we find out like these these little intricacies of <clears throat> excuse me of the flyers medical staff it's like i don't know man fuck my back is fucking killing me i don't know what's wrong here have some vix vapo rub <laughs> <laughs> this will help you out get back out there <laughs> here take some tums <laughs> get out there yeah. acid. get out there here's some maylox here mm -hmm. Get out there, take a dump, and yeah. get out there. <laughs> Stool relaxers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> no, it's well. This is the thing too. Is like you know, I mean, uh, Dan, you brought up you know a lot of these injuries with our centers here. What are they going to look like next year? You know, Coots is back surgery. Hayes is having four surgeries in in one year on the same spot. What a chance either one of them are anywhere close to near hundred percent. It is very, very minimal. Very minimal given the circumstances. And they're getting paid $15 million collectively. Mm -hmm. To, to, to whatever. Maybe Katuri will be, I mean, they, they were not, they were not specific with the back surgery, which of course just poses mm -hmm. more questions than answers. Well, he's back surgery. He's done for a season to be back for training camp. Okay. Well, is it serious? Is it his upper back? Is it his lower back? Is it a herniated disc? Is it a pinched nerve? Is it something that is going to be taken care of from here on out? Is it something that he bought himself a little bit of time, but he'll, you know, is going to struggle with it later in his career? You know, like, there's a lot of shit here. And, you know, they, they seem confident that he'll be back and fine, but, like, that can be potentially serious to a guy you just signed to a fucking eight-year contract who's already slow and not very good. Like... Man, and then Hayes, this fucking guy, he's still trying to come back, by the way. He's still practicing. Like, <laughs> stop! Go go home! Like, what, you, yeah, what more do you have to home. prove this year in a season that's completely lost where you, you already know you're going to need a fourth surgery? What are you doing? Just get the surgery, recover for the offseason, and come back as close to 100% as you can next year. And then fucking Ryan Ellis won't get surgery. He's busy going to the fucking witch doctor for help. Like, for Christ's sake, get surgery, heal, and be ready for next year. I get you want to avoid it at all costs, but sweet Christ, you've been out since early October. Okay? It is fucking in the middle of February. If he waits much more longer, then his recovery is going to affect next season in training camp anyway. Because you're going to just... Uh, Fuck, what is happening? How many times has Derek Broussard come back and played one game and then missed, what, four times now? It's unbelievable how fucked up this injury situation is with everyone on this team. And the thing is, is that they use it as the excuse. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, we just have everybody injured, so, you know, we get a free pass to go to next season. We'll just pretend this never happened and go to next year. But the thing is, like... This is where I kind of am a little iffy about Fletcher's decisions on some of these guys. Like, you knew that Kevin Hayes had these abdomen or groin, you know, or core issues last season. They For most knew of the last of the year. Season, yeah. He had it. Yeah. yeah. They knew that he had a, a, a potentially very serious core issue last season, right? Because he had the surgery immediately yep. when the season was over. Then another one. And he was right hampered for most game. of the fucking season last year, too. Yep. So it's been so a full calendar year this guy was dealing with it. Mm -hmm. So there's that one. And then you go to Sean Couturier. Okay, well, in my opinion, I think that Couturier came in the season hurt. Because I didn't think he looked right at all, except maybe, you know, the first couple of games. There was the first maybe. few games where he was fine. Uh -huh. And then there was the one game where he dropped off dramatically uh -huh. and was never the same after. So, like... You know, the Flyers handed him this huge contract in the offseason. What was the medical analysis? They knew that Couturier had, you know, he certainly had knee problems. He had he had some upper body issues. Um, was this back problem something Didn't that they should have seen? Fuck up his ribs last year or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like, was this something they should have seen in the offseason before you dish out, you know, this massive contract and magically within three weeks he has a back issue? I, I mean, just can't believe that, they signed him. What the fuck were they thinking? Why would you wait on Giroux but not Couturier? Like, yeah. do they feel that that Nonsense. guy is so life or death that they couldn't even risk him going to free agency? Like, fuck well, see, off. my theory, my theory is that is that they floated the issue, and Couturier knew that he had some injury issues, and he said, "Well, I'm just going to try to get a nice fat contract now because if I go into next season and and you know have and this problems, happens, you're getting five million dollars yeah. instead of eight, and like I yeah. can't play through this stuff, then I'm going to have a real problem 
you know, in the summer of 22, getting a bigger deal if I've got to be out at least half the season because I have this lingering back issue that I didn't tell anybody about or this sure. knee issue that I'm not going to emphasize or something like that because I need to get so like because Couturier also allegedly took less money, you know, to stay here where, you know, the uh, the prevailing thought in the offseason was, well, if he just waits till 22, he's going to be able to, you know, cash out at that nine million figure. So I don't know. To me, I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe Couturier had a hand in this, too because he knew he was injured and had these lingering things going on. And he just wanted to get that, you know, that pen to paper as soon as possible. You know what? Think about this, this uh, free agent class. Imagine Sean Couturier went to free agency right now. Like he wasn't signed for the eight years. Like how much, how valuable would he be? and sought after in comparison to those centers that we mentioned. He would still headline the class by a wide margin. He probably yeah. would. So like, do you think that like he would sit there and go like, fuck, I, I left at least a million bucks on the table per year for the seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. I think if he was looking for actual cash, he probably would have just waited and left. If, if money was a priority for him, he would could have hit the free agent market and got nine or 10 million a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, he signed at least a respectable number here. Yeah. Leads me to believe that he was probably, he's probably just like Giroux. I don't want to leave. I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to stay here and be comfortable on this shitty hockey team. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of bizarre to me, too. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, going back to my point, the injury thing, too, was like, so I think that, you know, there was this, this injury potentially was discoverable in the offseason, I think. You know, it's just too coincidental that, yeah. you know, in week two, we all of a sudden can't play. For fell off a cliff. <laughs> so, you know, I think there was some some investigation there. They could have maybe done a little more diligence on his health before they inked him to this eternity contract. So you look at that in conjunction with Kevin Hayes and then you add Ryan Ellis to this whole picture, too, who has been an injury nightmare for his career in Nashville and, you know, he has a lower body injury now, and I've heard it maybe a knee, but I don't know if we know for sure what it is. Was this something that was potentially discoverable with investigation by the Flyers before they pulled the trigger on that trade? You know, I don't know, because Ryan Ellis has been injured the whole year. He played three games. Yeah. So was this something that started, you know, in the offseason they should have discovered? It's just, it's just when I look at the timeline of all of these things, the fact that these injuries magically just started at the very beginning of the season is a little too coincidental for me and suggests that perhaps the Flyers didn't really look into this injury history and test them as much as maybe they should have, you know, and, and they dug themselves this hole because they're trying to, you know, they're trying to take shortcuts. Ryan Ellis is less expensive than Dougie Hamilton. So we're going to go with him. And, you know, we want to keep Sean Couturier because we're getting him at a discount. We don't want to pay for another one C or, you know, like that sort of stuff starts to snowball. And I'm starting to see here, like, these are some bad decisions. Could the Flyers have done more? I, you know, I don't know, but it's a little too coincidental for me to just kind of sweep it under the rug. I think there's something seriously wrong. I don't like to make these kind of claims, you know, the medical stuff, because, you know, it's a it's a pretty serious claim to make. But, like, when you look at all the fuck that has happened this year and last year with some of these medical decisions, and it's like, there's something wrong. Somewhere behind the scenes here, something is fucked up, you know, with, with the, the, the medical staff, the training staff, whatever the fuck it is. Like, something is causing these players to get hurt at a high frequency and they're being rushed back and hurt again and you know, the hiding stuff. I don't, there's, there's something wrong. Like it, there's so much happening with this medical team that there's something happening behind the scenes that uh, is, is a dark little secret here in the, uh, the Flyers organization. Mm-hmm. There's gotta be. It's just bizarre. Like, like, can you guys think of another team that has had this type of just consecutive, consistent injury problems with, they're they're top players, like all of them. Not off the top of my head. No, no, I can't either. Although on the bright side, I guess Robin Lanier was wrong when he made those. Remember he made those comments about Av hands out Avi, fistfuls yeah. of Vicodin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like Av's gone, and like now it's like a freaking hospital ward. Like everybody's getting <laughs> yeah. hurt and can't get back. Uh, and yeah. it, it was it's atrocious luck. Like it, like the, it's really bad. And this is where I get where people say, like, yeah, I know the injuries, and 
they didn't get a chance to really see what they got. And I, I get that. But at the same time, it's like, if you're wrong, and this yeah. thing goes south again, yeah. this team I think, is so, so screwed. Yeah, I think Fletcher kind of signed up for it, too. I mean, yeah, they had a bad luck. But like I was just saying, like, there, there could have been some writing on the wall that they should have looked at here. It's just, it's too, coincident, it's too coincidental. It's to too many players. It all happened at the same time. Like they should have been looking at this a little bit harder. I think it's just, it's just like leaning towards that direction now for me. It's not one or two guys. It's like half the fucking team. So it's not great. It's not a good look. Yeah. There's something, something has to be wrong somewhere, somewhere in the machine. Something's wrong with these injuries. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it is, it is, it's killing them. Well, if they're looking for, uh, you know, somebody, you know, since they're making all these additions to the front office and to the analytics department and to the director of hockey ops and all these hire a new doctor while you're in it. Yeah. You know, there's some there's some really interesting doctors in like uh, Colombia and Venezuela that can do a lot of, uh, you know, body altering things yeah the fat freezing people and shit like that yeah. <laughs> body altering things yeah I'm trying to i'm trying to i'm trying to be somewhat pol- politically correct and not seem like uh enhancements yeah in, enhanced yeah. plastic like, surgery yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah chest enhancements and brazilian butt lifts and you know all kinds of stuff like that you know penile implants probably and all kinds of things those guys that can, you know, cut out, you know, kidneys and stuff and put you in a bathtub. Those guys have yeah. some skill. I wonder if they can do <laughs> They're some just surgery. slightly below the current medical staff, so you may as well give it a chance. <laughs> kidneys in a bathtub, Philadelphia Flyers, legitimate doctors. <laughs> That's how the fucking ranking goes. Yeah, and like, I can't, I mean, the fact that there's no other teams that are really going through this, or have gone through this, that... I can really remember. It just suggests that there's some sort of organizational malpractice with yeah. with the judgment calls that are being made here. Like I don't see, you know, other star players for other teams constantly out like this. Like it just it doesn't really happen. You know, occasionally get a guy. Not injured, to this I frequency guess, anyway. Not to this extent is just so this like this extent to me signifies more than bad luck. There's something else There's about something the decision yeah. makers here that are that are analyzing these guys and saying, yes, this this guy is who we want to invest in long term. And we can ignore, you know, these these physical issues or we're we're not catching them or something. It's uh, it's just totally bizarre to me yeah. that. You know, this is it's just more than that. It has to be. You look at these lists and, you know, every every day, some of the beat writers are coming out with a new list of who's out. It's not even covid protocol anymore. No, they're it's just, just injured. straight yeah. up injuries. Yeah. It's insane. And. Uh, it's insane. So, I'm surprised we haven't had a polio outbreak yeah. on the flyers. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. Like, like, I know that there's the whole thing is luck, bad luck and all that. But. Yeah, you're right. Like some of the decisions, like it's, it goes all the way back to the preseason. Remember when when mm-hmm. you said about Wade Allison playing in 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 that the rookie you know, game, yeah, in, in the, the rookie second game. rookie game, he played yeah, the, the first one, yes, and he had to play in the second one too, right? <laughs> like uh, these are the these are the things. Like you're, I'm not saying that all of those are you're you're putting players in harm's way, but that was a needless. Thing what to is do. Wade Allison dealing with currently? What is the most recent injury? I don't even remember. Um, good question. I don't remember either. Shoulder Is thing, shoulder? Like upper body. I think it's upper body because he got injured when he was with the Phantoms, right? With that, he got injured play. a couple times. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> the Phantoms, and he got hurt twice with the Flyers, and I, I can't keep which injury he's currently dealing with straight anymore. But uh, it says knee. Knee. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it was the other knee. <laughs> okay, remember yeah. he, he had the one knee where he had all the the surgeries. I think it's an M- MCL sprain or something. Yeah. Might God, be a sprain. Guy. See, like, and that's another guy. Like, that's another guy that all the fans have put hopes in. But he always is getting hurt, too. So, like, how do you trust him? Can't lie. Can't. Yeah. At this point, I think he's just over. Like, this season was going to be his shot to get back in it and to show a level of, you know, that, league that durability. Can, yeah. 
that he can. This is this is his time to get his shit together and yeah. come out and make it. And I assume he resigns and then he sticks around and yeah. you know he's still considered an option in the future. But this was the year to uh, come in and legitimately be something. But no, because we can't fucking have nice things. He's like the one guy that is all like ticks all the boxes that the Flyers potentially need. Yeah, from internal uh, the uh, internal of the organization here. Just nope, can't fucking stay healthy. Yep, everybody loves him too. Yeah, he's like, fine. I, I know, I like him. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't believe in him anymore. Like, just because of the injuries, you just can't trust this, him. You can, unless yeah. proven otherwise, you can't trust him. The effort level is top notch. The energy, the, the effort, the shot. talent, the shot—all that's there. Oh. And he just fucking can't stay healthy. Hey, mm-hmm. Lozinski came back today. Got oh, cleared and yay. sent to the Phantom. Tanner, plan the parade. I was never as high on him as most people were, but like at this point, like I'll take it. I'll take Tanner. He was the, the problem is that's two hip surgeries. That fuck. What the fuck is that guy Ooh. skating gonna look like now? He had hip surgery at the end of last year, something that he was probably dealing with for quite some time because the second surgery was on the opposite hip because he favored it for so long that it fucked itself up <laughs> that he needed corrections. So he was probably dealing with that hip injury for last year for quite some time as well. So now he had uh, uh, surgeries on both hips. The interesting one is Isaac Ratcliffe. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm legit shocked that he's having the impact that he has. Let me tell you what, I've watched Ratcliffe for two and a half, three years in Lehigh Valley, and he never once impressed me. He was the most disappointing mm-hmm. prospect of the Hextall era, IMO, and he just fucking nothing. He's six foot six, built like a house. The guy is gigantic. Okay, he's huge. The TV does him no justice. He's fucking massive, and he never threw a hit. I don't think I've saw him once throw the body in Lehigh Valley, ever. And the offense never contributed. He was never able to dominate at the pros like he did in juniors. And he's coming up, and he's throwing checks. He's getting offensive chances. He's living it up. Some people just rise to the occasion like that and can play better in, in bigger roles in the NHL. And he, listen, I would not have a problem if the fourth line next season was... Ratcliffe, Mayhew, and McEwen. Because those are the three fucking people that seem like they give a shit right uh-huh. now. I wouldn't hate it. Uh-huh. I'd be okay with it, at least trying it out. I mean, he's he's the one he's he's one of those guys that I think like got to this level and for whatever reason, maybe it's Mike Yo, maybe it's the assistants, but they're able to kind of convince him to use his body yeah. to a much greater extent more than what he's them. been used to. And that's obviously a huge thing. That's And that, honestly, that concept should go across the board for basically every prospect that's come up and either failed or not reached their ceiling with the Flyers is they do not seem to want to engage with the body to the extent that's necessary to succeed in the NHL. No. None of them. They want to play the time and space game. They don't want to get touched. And they just get run over and outskated by the opposition when they get up here. And we've seen it with, you know, five to ten players over the years here. And it's the same problem. And um, the only guy that can throw a hit this year is somebody who wasn't in the organization, Zach McEwen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't. Some random guy they picked off a waiver. Wasn't spoiled. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a vibe that, that the organization gives off to its players that come in. They get indoctrinated in some way or they get they you know this is this is the right way to play and i don't know if they understand what that means it's just it's something it's not something in the water but it's a it's an aura around it it's a mentality that is permeated throughout the organization that seems to have infected all these guys all these young players that come up through the ranks because it's the same problem morgan frost had the same problem nolan patrick had the same problem um, Travis Sanheim has the same problem. I was That's hoping the, the new coaching change in Lehigh would do something, but I think it was too late to kind of save the when you bring in, you know, Ian LaPerriere and Jason Smith, you know, two biggest badasses of their era. I was hoping you'd see a little more of that, but I think for guys like Ratcliffe who have been around a long time, it was probably already beaten their head by the previous regime to not give a shit. So Yeah, and then at some point, you know, the players kind of settle into their roles and say okay this is kind of how i can maintain my lineup status and they don't have the incentive to kind of push it to the next level and maybe the coaches aren't really telling them okay you know it's working fine but they're not pushing them to the extent necessary to 
elevate themselves to the Flyers roster. I don't know. It's just there's something wrong with how they're doing it. And I don't know how to fix it unless you, it's just a total. That's why we were talking about, you know, getting a guy like a, I don't know, like a, like a McKinsey and company for hockey or something like Chris Pronger comes in and evaluates every little thing going on in the organization at every level. Yeah. Just know you're, no, you're telling him to do this the wrong way or no, the practices are being structured the wrong way. Just somebody come in and just criticize the living fuck out of it and change it up because it's not working. Fuck, it's, let me do it at this point. Yeah. I'll tell you what's up. <laughs> What uh, what do you guys think about Ivan Provorov? Because he, by all accounts, was atrocious yesterday. He had a rough game last night. Yeah. Like, it's getting worse and worse. But at the same time, I think all of the, the Flyers apologists out there that, that make up excuses and reasons for, like, you pick the player are really keen to really throw this guy under the bus. He's taking and, the heat for everybody because they don't want to blame the other guys. That, to me, is and, what it seems to come down to. Is is he playing well? No. He had a particularly rough game last night. But the thing for me is, like, we know Provorov can be good. We know what he is when he's at his best. But he seems to be the whipping boy for people that don't want to blame Sanheim for being weak defensively. He seems to be the people that don't want to blame the situation they're in defensively. You know, he he's... He, of all the fucking people on this team that there is to blame right now for the situation that they're in, to me, Provar was pretty goddamn low on that list. You know, he's not having a good game. He needs to be better for the role that he's playing, but, like... He's not an elite guy, and that I think people get their wires crossed with that. And Anthony and I talk about this quite a bit. You know, the difference between an elite defenseman versus just a number one or number two defenseman. You know, a regular top guy. And I think Prover's a top guy. I don't think he's elite. And I think people, built again, built the hype up for themselves so heavily for so long with this guy that, oh, he's this, you know, the, the Russian machine, you know. And he's just a he, he's a very good guy who needs somebody to help right the ship. That's just what he is. And he seems to be taking a lot of the brunt of the impact because people don't want to blame other favorite players. They've established that they like Sanheim more than they like Provorov. Thus, Provorov is guilty in the court of public opinion. You know, whether it's his fault on any given night or not. You know, Sanheim is probably weaker defensively more regularly. But you don't hear about that. I mean, Sanheim was basically responsible for a goal last night as well. You know, he was on the ice for three of the five Red Wings goals. You know, but the, the Provorov mistake was far more egregious. So... Or Red Wings. Who the fuck did they play last night? Capitals. Regardless. Um, I don't know. I, I just... I get it. He's not immune from criticism. I had somebody... Oh, do you, you don't criticize the guy. I just... I, he's not good. He's not playing well. But, like... In terms of bigger fish to fry... Like, I got my eyes focused elsewhere versus just Provo having a down year. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Like, like where do you get off... Like, get get away from it? Like, if do you trade him? Because I see people out there going, oh, you got to trade him. Get uh, get the guy from uh, they Arizona. Chikrin. Yeah. Chikrin. And it's like, okay, so number one, they're not going to do that trade one for one. Arizona would laugh think. in your stupid faces for suggesting that trade. So they're going to take on salary and just give you Chikrin? Like, there's going to be other things going in that deal. But the thing is, is like, so you get rid of him, then you've got a massive hole in your Yeah, then what do you do? He gives like, Sandheim the number one spot. Great. Good luck with that shit. But you're not rebuilding. Oh, so I mean you, you get you get you get rid of Provrov, but you're not rebuilding because we're gonna get the playoffs next year. Like, I don't understand what some of these fans want. And like listen, he has been bad. Yeah. He has been bad this year. Mm. But he also hasn't had his part. If Ryan Ellis was here, he wouldn't be Ben. Or at least less he wouldn't be then. anywhere close no, to what he is. Not right anywhere now. close. And the thing is, is that the longer that this season goes on like this, and, like, he's the guy that you want to turn things around. But, like, he has to play, like, a near flawless game in order for, like, the Flyers to actually, like, be winning and be in games. And he can't do that at this point. No. Because the team's just too far gone. He can't carry the entire defense by himself. He can't. One thing that I have an issue with Provorov is, and he's never going to change this, is but 
I don't like the way that he seems to play in neutral at the same speed, no matter what the situation is. And I know that that kind of lends himself to, you know, conserving energy like a camel or something is always available and you know, durability factor. But at the same time, like I know the guy's capable of, you know, some higher energy plays sometimes. And I I'd like to see that out of him. I think he, does he very rarely put it in the next gear now that you mentioned. Yeah, he's always at the mm. same speed. And, like, that's – it's good, you know, like a lot of times it shows that you're calm and you're able to think clearly and, you know, do the right things on the ice. But at the same time, this game is not that style of game. Like, this is a game of speed bursts. That's how you make plays here. Um, and I'm not sure that his style of play – again, I think he's a good player, but I think he's a – He's a complementary piece for a defensive core that has those types of guys that can do that. So you can allow him to kind of sit back in his kind if of role. If he was a number three on, like, any team, he would be phenomenal. Oh, yeah, he'd be massive. You I mean, know, his if you put him with the right partner now, huge. you can squeeze something out of him. It's no fucking coincidence his best season came with Matt Niskanen. <laughs> you know, came with a legitimate top-pair guy. It's just the fact that he's never had that for as long as he did and... I, I fucking the criticisms that people give me for Provorov apply to Sanheim too. Well, he was weak on the defensive zone, or he was afraid to get checked, and he backed off of the play. And I'm like, bro, like Sanheim is one of the softest fucking individuals I've ever seen in my whole goddamn life. Yeah, <laughs> like, you true. can't you can't tell me that Provorov is soft while simultaneously defending Sanheim. Like, is Provorov having a good season? No, but like, come the fuck on now. You know, like, I don't know. And One imagine. Thing I... Oh, sorry, you go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Manny. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, we see these people in this fan base go berserk with Shane Goss's beer because we traded him. Oh, Jesus. And you know, and, oh, and, and Nick Abe Kubel. Oh, my God. The greatest and, and forward that ever lived, Nicholas Abe Kubel. And Challenging Ryan Gretzky Hartman. right now. Ryan oh, that one, that one, that one <laughs> fucking baffles the shit out of me. Ryan Hartman, who was here for 12 games five years ago. How dare they give up on the Ryan Hartman, been in the league for like 10 years. He's had two good seasons. You want to take a guess who he was paired with those two years? Patrick Kane and Krill Kaprizov. <laughs> Other than that, he was a worthless fucking fourth liner. But <laughs> what these same people won't acknowledge, if Provorov goes to another team, He's going to be, fuck, we're going to regret it. Like, he's going to be a guy that will, I don't know how big the ceiling would be, but he would be awesome. Like, imagine him on, like, in L.A. Kings. Oh, it'd be great. Or, ima or imagine him on Pittsburgh right now. Mm. Like, oof, it would be a completely different story. Yeah. He would be a different guy. And then they pretend I they never fucking hated him. Well, we all yeah. love Pro Bro. We didn't know. I never said one mean word about him. Shut the yeah. fuck up. Uh, one thing about him as well, and this isn't necessarily his fault, is that I feel like he's getting into this Flyers malaise mentality due to what's taken place here yeah. during most of his career. And it's it's got to be mentally defeating to experience to have the work ethic through. he does and you know yes. the, the, the talent he does and then it's never you know reciprocated by the team yeah, yeah that probably is deflating i mean it's hard to it's just hard to do that like to get up for games and i mean he's been through a shit ton in his career through the dave hackstall era through the scott andrew Gordon mcdonald era, <laughs> andrew mcdonald you know the ac thing destroyed his shoulder know. in 2018 and they played like shit the entire series didn't help mm -hmm. him out once he really has had like a tough ride here and it's hard to, it's just, it's difficult because his personality is a very, you know, like low key guy, very quiet guy, mild mannered, goes out, does his thing. Uh, but I wonder how much motivation, you know, he continues to have as the years go by in this type of scenario. And it kind of goes back to the things we've said about other players that are younger, excuse me, older than him that this kind of happened to as well before Provorov got here, where they get into this kind of mediocre Flyers malaise and they just kind of, then they just kind of coast here for five, seven, 10, 12 years. And I, I kind of see him getting into that right now. 
I don't see how he can't be affected mentally by this. Yeah. Like he's he's the guy that is always up there in the ice time. You know, every time oh, he's on the power play. You know what? Maybe he shouldn't be on the power play, but n- literally nobody else does anything. How much more has this Flyers power play improved when they took him off? Oh, that's right. It didn't. Oh, I forgot. It was all Michelle Terrian's fault. Oh, they got rid of him. How did that improve? Yeah, it didn't. There you go. So it actually like, improved from 13% to 15% under Daryl Williams. <laughs> under what? When Williams took over, when they fired Terry and brought in Williams, yeah. it went up to 15%. Uh, oh. Right now, under John Spaghetti, they are dealing with, let me see, <laughs> they are two for 18 under John Spaghetti so far. Oh, yeah. So right. Rolling. One for nine. Rocking and five, rolling. Just five on three, so great. Eighteen. It's 11%. I like so he's thoughts. doing the worst of the year thus far. Awesome. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. It's, it's but it's, all, it's always his fault. It's always, there's always something. Yeah. It's always, it's the coach. It's, the assistant it's always coach. the coach. I still have people that are like, oh, they got to get rid of Yao and replace him with somebody. It's like, really? Like, at what point do we <laughs> go like, maybe it's not the coach's fault. <laughs> like... And then those people, then they just turn to Chuck Fletcher. Well, it's Chuck Fletcher's fault. Okay, great. Replace him with Danny Breyer, and how does that change the on-ice product in the slightest? It does. When? No... You go ahead, Mike. There's no chemistry with anything here. No! None of these players have any chemistry with each other. <laughs> like, that's so obvious at this point. Oh, yeah. They'll get hot for a couple games, then go cold. There's there's enough natural skill here to not fail miserably, which has been the story of the Philadelphia Flyers since Ron Hextall took over, really. So we're going to tank and rebuild, but we're going to keep all these guys around that are good enough to kind of succeed. And they're doing the same thing now. There's enough talent here to kind of succeed. Not great that most of these guys are hurt, so it doesn't make a lot of fucking difference this year, but uh, it's just enough talent, but nobody's got any chemistry. When the hell was the last time the Flyers had a line of three players that was, like, good 2012 with Giroux, Hartnell, and Yager, maybe? Yep. And they don't touch it. Since they then? They just let it go for... How was the last time they had three people? When? It was always Giroux, Voracek, and the third guy. And it was never the same third guy through all that time. Mike Raffle. Braden Shen. Yeah, Raffle, God. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I don't know. Fil- Every Filpola, fucking thing is broken. Vandevelde <laughs> and Latera was a pretty a hell of a fucking line. Belmar. Yeah. <laughs> Belmar. I kind of miss Belmar. Yeah, yeah. There's still no reason. God, the amount of consecutive games that him and Vandevelde played was like they each played like three consecutive seasons. Every game of the season, oh, yeah. they didn't miss one game. <laughs> God. And we suffered through the, all that for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so bad. Didn't get any top picks, didn't get any good hockey team now. Now we're fucking five years later and it's even worse than it was when they were here. Mm. But Chris Vandeveld would be an improvement for this team right now. Drag his 40-year-old ass back to this lineup today and he'd be better than fucking anybody. He'd be their top center option right now. I was in a game back in that era and there was this guy sitting behind me just mocking Chris Vandeveld the whole time. Because whenever Vandevelde was on the ice, he would go, he'd go, yay, Vandevelde. <laughs> <laughs> yay, Vandevelde. Just over and over again. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, Jesus. It was so obvious because, like, other people sitting around me didn't really, like, know. Like, I knew this guy was, like, the butt of the jokes because he played all the time and he sucked. <laughs> this guy just wouldn't let it go. So every time he was on the ice, yay, Vandevelde. <laughs> If you're listening right now, you know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) God, a stupid team. What the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah, the uh, like the thing that is also just so like so grinding through all this is the emphasis on these like developmental benchmarks like oh you know like they um oh they competed for a period they only lost by one goal tonight the moral oh, they, victories yeah. yeah the moral victory stuff and it's like 
since when did these low standards and moral victories become elements of the rubric to judge an NHL franchise? Like, That's true. Mm-hmm. When did that happen here? Like, why even consider that? So, oh, oh, well, at least they did this. At least they did that. Who that was cares? a Ron Hextall special during yeah, that well, era. Is you're picking out, you fucking played Vendivaldi, but he didn't turn the puck over three dozen times until he turned it over two dozen times. And it's like, <laughs> oh, great, it's step forward. You know, that's that was the key in the Hextall era. Now it's a key now. Well, you know, Sanheim, you know, he, he had a good pass in this one. Oh, great. Awesome. You know, like you still yeah. lost by seven. Who gives a shit? You know. And then they also say, uh, people say, you know, you know, in a season where we're looking for positives, why are you looking for positives? Like, what's the, the fuck point? Positives of, are to look for right now. What's the point of looking for positive? Now, you need to identify the things that need to get changed and change them. You don't need to be dwelling on these like developmental benchmarks. Like that's not it. It's like you need to be considering how to effectuate serious change for this roster and where you want to go. It's just like I don't think that at this level, sure, if we're, you know, watching a junior team or something, even AHL team, you know, when you're in developmental leagues, yes, those types of analysis are are appropriate. You should be going through those exercises and stuff like that. I don't subscribe to going through that stuff at this level. I just think it's an inappropriate way to assess a team at a professional stage. Especially a team that's supposed to be winning. They were in (laughs) full-on teardown mode, and you want to pick out some positives every night. More power to you. But this team is supposed to be winning, and I'm supposed to be happy because fucking, you know, they got one assist. Your favorite player got one assist. Yeehaw. Why don't we think of creative ways to address the negatives? which are the most important things rather than focus on the positives. Like, it's just like, I don't know. That's just the way that I look at it. It's just a much more kind of strict and militant view on it. But I, I just don't think that, that you're doing any good. I think you're wasting time by dwelling. You're just dwelling on inconsequential bullshit yeah. about stuff. Like that's all it is. What do you think <laughs> happens if they do this exact same thing again next year? If they're still shit. What happens next summer? I don't know. I think they come up with an excuse about like they're like the one thing they can always say every year, even if the injuries aren't as big, they can say, oh, well, you know, our players didn't perform up to the level we thought they should. Uh, we think this is a blip on the radar. They can be you know. better, even though it's the same yeah. players underperforming. every fucking Yeah, year. we think they can play up to their capabilities next season. That's what they'll say. Just make more, more off-season trades. Dave Scott will look over awkwardly at Chuck Fletcher and say, how about that German Rupsov guy? Oh, fuck. This German Rupsov guy. <laughs> I cannot believe yeah. There were so many people last summer that were like, I can't live without German Rupsov. And that was your fucking fourth liner in the AHL on a team oh. fit that's basically ECHL caliber yeah. these days because everyone else is either injured or called up. And he's still on the fourth line down there. Every once in a while, here? I'll notice him, number 17. I'm like, oh, this fucking German Ribson. Look at that guy. <laughs> fucking crazy. terrible. Fuck. We need him. He's an up-and-coming star. We need to re-sign him. Just fuck off. I don't think they'll be this bad next year. I, I think they'll you know, be in that. If they can that... stay even remotely healthy, they'll be at least a little better. Like they'll be in, you know, that twelve. I think they max out as like the in that. <laughs> they'll 19th, be back 20. to a bubble, bubble wild card team. Yeah, yeah, the nineteenth or twentieth um, uh, best team, um, or I guess the worst team now. <laughs> like they'll be picking in the draft somewhere between that twelve and twenty range. I I probably see them at right at the midpoint if everybody's healthy. They're probably a uh, right at that you know fifteen sixteen yeah. spot. And then they're going to do that. Let's say they get back to 15th mm-hmm. overall. And mm-hmm. Dave Scott and the front office are going to treat it like a celebration. We got better this year. Right. They're <laughs> going to say it's a step in the right it's direction. It's a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, we got exactly. better. Yep. Yep. Fuck. And then they're not going to do anything to get better. We're just going to be back at the middle of the pack. Ne- next year, <sighs> it doesn't matter because at least everyone would say, oh, well, at least we're drafting somebody good. Like, we'll at least get somebody of substance in 23. Well, that's if they're, if they haven't traded the pick away already to try <laughs> yeah. to win now, you know, <laughs> traded the pick to find a replacement. 
Yeah. Or it's if it's at 15, I guess 15 is still good, but it's, you know, you want to you want to be in that top five so you can get in that. They've been picking at 15 for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there is after the press conference that we just saw from Chuck Fletcher and Dave Scott. I do not think there is a scenario in the world that they cannot try to justify. And say, oh, well, there true. was, there was, there was this excuse or that excuse. There is nothing that can happen after I heard They'll that think bullshit of yeah. that they won't think of and say, oh, well, there was this reason and there's that excuse and we think this can happen. Like, there is nothing now because it's been so putrid the whole generation of hockey that if that's what they're going to say, you know, we're fucked. There's no way around it until they until Dave Scott is removed and someone else with a different thinking style comes in how much longer do you think of losing of seasons like this would it take for them to overthrow dave scott and get him out like two three that's a really good question if this happens again next year i got it it's because i don't know how many people are going to be buying tickets here next year yeah oh hell no it's going to take years to rebuild their reputation so that they're under, he's going to be. But Fletcher is the first guy to year. fall, yeah. right? So you blame right, Fletcher first, course. and then yep. you blame like Valerie goes next. She takes the next bullet. Like I'd assume you work your way up before you get to Scott, right? But if I'm at the, if I'm the top guy at Comcast, I'm wiping everything. Yeah, like you it, cannot, you cannot have a money maker like this and just turn it into garbage. trash. Yeah. I think it takes if they have another I think it takes at least at least one more for corporate to really start Comcast prop yeah to start yeah. being like wait a second here like they're probably aware that there's been some bumps in the road but they're too stupid and out of touch to, to realize just how bad it is yeah to realize why because they'll just oh Dave's got oh well COVID this and we had injuries and uh, some bad luck and you know they're like oh okay yeah it happens. And, um, I think it's going to take at least another one or two years of this level of ineptitude and lack of lack of ticket sales or lack of butts and seats too, uh, for that to maybe have a shot. So we're not quite there yet with it. The problem is, and it's just like if you had a legitimate front office ownership group, you know, you wouldn't have to wait for doomsday like that. That's true. You had somebody overseeing Dave Scott. A collective group of front office people that weren't his cronies. Mm-hmm. Maybe hold him to a standard, but no. Yeah, if you had a president that and GM that could operate on their own without mm-hmm. approvals from the owner on on everyone in and out. I do firmly is. believe if Chuck Fletcher was just let alone and he can do whatever he wanted to do with this team, they would be fine. I have enough faith in Fletcher that whatever direction he picked, he would be fine. But I don't think it's his ball game. I think it's Scott's ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that Chuck would probably enter a rebuild mode. Because I mean, that's all. That's what he hinted at at the press conference. He mm-hmm. never came straight out and said it, but he dropped enough, you know, crumbs there for mm-hmm. for us to put the pieces together. And Scott was like, "Nope, fuck that. We're paying Nazim Kadri eight million dollars." <clears throat> Yeah, because Chuck didn't really like, he didn't really say anything or like outline how they're going to do this. He was the one that acknowledged <laughs> that you know, talent comes through the draft, and this is the way to get stars. And they're in a rough spot right now. And and Dave Scott came through and said, "No, fuck you. We're mm-hmm. spending money this year. We're not to rebuild, and we're doing this." Mm-hmm. It's like th- those are two completely different approaches. Mm-hmm. I'm your GM and owner. You're fucking diverging paths here. <sighs> It's yeah. almost like it's almost like Chuck Fletcher is doing a death by cop. It's like you know that he knows that this is going to end, and just mm-hmm. he, it's not going to be on his terms. Mm-hmm. Like fuck, he's just going to do what this idiot mm-hmm. wants him to do. Like he's I, gonna he's mm-hmm. gonna go down doing and and letting it happen at that guy's hand, at that guy's insistence from that guy's idea. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that's the bad thing. Like he's if take... that were the if that would like he should quit, quit and save your reputation before you would yeah, let Dave exactly. Scott take you down. 
Why the hell would you? You fucking that's like Ron yeah. Hextall and Dave Hextall. I would. I'm gonna uh, get fired before Dave Hextall gets fired. Like mm-hmm. fuck. What are you oh. doing? I would get away and be like that fucking Dave Scott asshole. Uh uh-uh, uh. Don't work for him. Like please employ me some other team. This isn't my doing. The Flyers look like shit. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is with with Fletcher, he 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 kind of he he got forced down this hole, and now he can't he can't he can't jump out of it because. Because of the mandates from Scott about win now, just make the playoffs. Win now, just make the playoffs. He kind of had to like do that Couturier deal because if he didn't, then that would signify that then, well, yeah, you're, we, you're potentially yeah, we might be rebuilding yeah. and you know that sort of stuff. And like we have to sign Kevin Hayes because if we don't, we're not going to have a two C for this particular season. And if we don't, then we may have to enter a rebuild, like that sort of thing. So it's just constantly playing catch up to try to convince or be consistent with Scott's mandate to do anything and everything to just make the playoffs. And the problem with that approach is that there's no long-term goal setting or long-term efficiency with what you're doing. It's you're looking two feet in front of you all the time with no idea what's going to happen, you know, beyond tomorrow. Um, It's just a horrible, I think it's a horrible way to run a team. And, you know, we got, I, I put out a tweet I think it was today that I actually like this analogy that I had. Where the hell was I? This is in my notes. I forgot to get to it. Um, what's this? What's the... Basically, it was of the effect. I got a million fucking notes on here. But it was of the effect that, you know, I don't like that. It seems like, like the organization is just letting the players kind of run the show. It's like, well, we don't know what we're going to do, but the players will dictate what we do. It's like... Yeah. And I mentioned this before a little bit, but it's like, no, the front office is – and the analogy I mentioned today was the front office should be like the architect for the team. They should be the ones designing it. But the Flyers front office seems to proceed as if they're like a like a maintenance manager. Like if like they come in when something's broken, they just fix that one element that's broken. They kind of pull back and let it – let the machine run on its own like a service technician. Like, no, you should be the architect in controlling how this goes. You're not the service tech that comes in. And that's like, that's, I don't know. I thought that analogy was actually kind of apt for what we're seeing here. That makes sense. You, you know what I'm wondering? What, after this situation is done and Chuck Fletcher gets fired or whatever, who would hire him? Like, imagine you're, I don't know, St. Louis. Or somebody, you pick any team. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you go, okay, we need a GM. Let's let's interview the candidates. Like one of the questions that I would ask is like, dude, you took over a franchise that was, you know, top five in attendance. And it tanked under his watch. And mm. now you're like you cratered it. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, I did what the owner wanted me to do. Yeah. Well, okay. That's why you got to quit. You got to quit and throw Dave Scott under the bus and save your own ass so your career can continue after this shit. Otherwise, you're going to go to apply to the job in St. Louis. And they're going to be like, you brought the Flyers to its fucking knees. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just going back. I mean, Chuck could go back to the Devils. Wasn't he a special advisor for yeah, them for like before, a year? Before uh, the Flyers was the Devils. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. And we mentioned this on, you know, on our last conversation that I think, Dan, you had posted last weekend was this this theory that you're going to get embarrassed if you're a GM here. Like if this tanks more like they are they're flailing. They they are in in desperation mode to do anything and everything to try to put a winner on the ice. And that's never a good position to be in. You shouldn't. You should not be desperate when you're trying to make a successful franchise. It's going to crash and burn. I, oh, you know, yeah. it's <laughs> just like what hybrid fucked up theory are they going to be doing? Like, describe. Like, the thing is, what what are they trying to do? Like, how would you specify what their plan is? You're you're trying to save an era of hockey that was supposed to be the rebuilding phase. Ron Hextel was supposed to come in and be the golden fucking carrot and make this team worthwhile, and Chuck Fletcher was brought in to save the day. 
and now you've had some bad luck between the last few years, and it's still Fletcher's job to salvage the Ron Hextall to take that football and run it across the goal line. That's what's supposed to be happening here. That's what they're trying to sell it as, but the reality is Ron Hextall fucked everything up. Chuck Fletcher fucked everything up even further, and now you're trying to salvage this completely lost scenario. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. That is, that is a really good analogy. It's like the, the ball's on the five-yard line, mm-hmm. and it's first down. It's first and goal. You got a shitty running game. And fucking Aaron Donald what? stops you on fourth and one, and you fucking you run it. In the Super but Bowl. you run it, yeah. and they know that you're going to run it. And they just fucking stopped you cold. And then, you know what? Second down, you're going to run it again. And the third down, you run it again. And it's like, you keep trying to push this. this uh, the Hextall thing's done. Yeah. All right, here's that analogy a step further. Hextall got us from our own goal line to about the 50-yard line. And maybe like one or two seasons, he got to like the other teams like 40 or 45, like somewhere in that range. Fletcher comes in, the ball's pretty much back at the 50. Uh, Fletcher does everything he can to get the ball up towards the other team's goal line. He ends up getting it to the other team's, I don't know, 40. Now the ball is back at like our own 10-yard line. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're still trying to score a touchdown, and they won't punt. You know? <laughs> like, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stupid teams. <laughs> They could just. There should be an option to like forfeit the season. The teams that are out of the playoff spot just give up. Yeah, just concede the game. Just be like, fuck it. <laughs> lost. There's no point in playing. Save my sanity a little bit. Are they mathematically eliminated yet? No. No. Because we would have heard about it by now. We would have heard about it. Because they still have enough games where they can win out and probably get in if other teams lose out that are. In those they have, lower spots. They have a you know. 0.1% chance to make the playoffs. So they're still alive. I don't yeah, know what their gonna, magic number is, but... They're going to play as a team. Stupid. <laughs> 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 so, okay, alright guys, have a good weekend. It was fun hanging out. Yeah. Enjoyed it, as I, I always do. So Always. Thanks for going off. <laughs> <laughs> night, night, Dan. Night, night. Mike. Okay. See you guys. Bye. Hey, everyone. Good See night. you.